Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley. Hello, welcome to another episode. Today, I'm happy to have Brandon Colley joining me. I was on his uh, company's stream recently, Trimark's stream. They're a really well-known Active Directory security company. Very cool. Uh, actually found out about them a while back, but then uh, Danny, a.k.a. Rando, one of my friends, went to work there marketing. I got to meet more of you guys. Actually, while it was Hacking Fest, I got to meet some of you guys there. Uh, and I actually had someone, I have to, can't remember who it was, but I had someone on my other podcast from Trimark back earlier last year, and I got to meet him in person. So uh, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Philip. Yeah, that was um, that was probably Daryl. Uh, yes. Yeah. He was he was on the Hacker Factory with you. Yep. And he he would have been at Wild West too. I think he spoke at Wild West. So. Yeah, that's the cool thing when I get introduced to people when people recommend guests. You know, if I meet people, it's I like meeting people. That's one of the reasons I like the podcast. One of the things I like to do outside of mentoring and teaching, I also like to share resources. And some of those resources are awesome people like yourself where people can learn from. And so when I get recommendations like that, he was a recommendation to me. I had him on a podcast, never talked to him before. And it was pretty awesome. So it's kind of a nice surprise when you get introduced to people like that and you get to know a little bit more about them through the podcast. Yeah. And it was a pleasure to have you on ours last week as well. So that was a lot of fun and um, very humbled that, that you even offered me to me come on here today. So, um, Hopefully people enjoy my story a little bit. Um, I didn't really feel like I had much of a story until I kind of started thinking a little bit more about it um, and took a couple notes. Yeah, I think I look at it too is one of the things I even encourage people that are brand new because there's always someone a step or two behind you that you can help them and make their journey a little bit easier. And, you know, back when I was first starting out, a lot of what I did was share resources that I found, different tools and learning resources and share that. So, and that's one of the things I kind of learned from teaching when I was teaching at the college, I had students come in and they would find new tools because this, their pen testing journey was new. They'd find things that I hadn't heard of before. So you can't discount those stories. I've had people on the Hacker Factory podcast, like Lily Clark, that we worked together at INE. She was going through the EJPT cert, wanting, interested in becoming a pen tester. And I had her on just because she's very positive and, and sharing her learning journey. You know, she came from like a marketing background before that, something in the fitness industry. And she was able to come in, apply herself, learn pen testing, eventually got a job. That was after the, the podcast. But those stories are important. Yeah. And I was just telling you before the show, too, about the, uh, the current auto mechanic that I spoke to just a couple of weeks ago. And um inspired him to kind of start reaching out into more of the security realm because that's something they've always he's always enjoyed and thought about but never really identified it as a career path so um yeah like i said happy to to share kind of where where i've come from and uh, maybe a little bit about where i'm going and sure uh why don't you start out kind of uh, your story or your background where you came from and and your journey to your current role yeah so 
I started out and I thought I was unique in this, uh, you know, breaking into security from the IT operations field. But the more, uh, more and more I listen to some of your interview guests and just around the community, I realized that that's not a terribly unique story. So I, I mean, I started at help desk, did IT support straight out of college, worked mostly in the academia environment, worked for several different universities. Um, and in university fields, we tend to be um, multiple, wear multiple hats. So uh, kind of did that, did a bunch of different, uh, like I had said, started with some of the help desk type stuff, went into the desktop support side, and then most recently landed into the server administration role. So most previous job, I went ahead and I was in charge of pretty much all things server related. So I like to say everything from racking servers all the way through the hardware, base OS, virtualization into the application layer, um, did a lot of the identity support stuff, which is kind of where uh, I got into my, my current position working for Trimark Security. They really enjoyed the identity related things that I had done in my past. Um, and there wasn't really a defining moment for me. When, when so many people, I think, think back and are looking for that catalyst, you know, that that comet that hit the earth that shifted them into the security world. And really, in retrospect, it was more just a series of things that kind of landed all, you know, pebbles on the ground that kind of when I look back, I realize that somewhere along those lines is, is where I kind of became security. Um and so just a few of the things that kind of come to mind are, I, I noticed probably several years ago at this point, um, the Cyber Mentor was releasing free access to his uh, practical ethical hacking course. And so I picked that up just because it was free, you know, just kind of you collect free books when you see them posted and stuff like that. And that kind of sat on the shelf for probably at least six months before I even kind of cracked that open. Um, my current, my, my previous role, I did some benchmarking, implemented some of the CIS best practices into the group policies and stuff like that. And at the time I didn't really see that as security. I just kind of saw that as, um, you know, a task as a sysadmin. So many times you just kind of complete the task that's in front of you. Um, one of the other things that really came to mind that brought me more into the the security realm and the, and the hacking realm, I guess I'll call this kind of my first hack, was we were looking at implementing a new password policy following the, the new NIST guidelines that came out a couple of years ago, where um, NIST famously said, you don't have to change your password anymore and uh, complexity is dead and uh, use password filters instead. So basically we were looking at doing some of the NIST requirements and I got really hung up on the user the end user perspective of that, thinking like, oh, you know, being in academia, we've got a whole bunch of previous faculty members that are now um, emeritus that are going to call in and ask for password changes to our help desk. And they're not going to understand that they can't use the name of their dog because it, it was in a previous breach and stuff like that. So I set out and I went ahead and I dumped everybody's password hash and I threw it through John the Ripper and, and let it go for about 24 hours and convinced myself that if I could prove to 
my uh, supervisors that people were using so such stupid passwords uh, that maybe they wouldn't understand things. So that was kind of a fun exercise that I didn't really have approval to do at the time. Um, <laughs> but definitely the first first major hack of my career, I would say. Um, oh, very cool. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that that I find interesting about Trimark is just seeing how them bringing in people like yourself and understanding the value of the IT side of things. Because you know, one of the things if you're going to secure something or hack into it, you really need to understand the technology. You know, you may not know Linux very well or Windows, but if you're trying to hack into it, if you don't have that base knowledge, you're going to be doing a lot of Googling and research. And so you really need that. So that's great that they value that. And and that's a place where people can use that skill set because it's really a very much needed skill set. And when you think of these environments that are using Active Directory, what percentage that's using? And now with cloud using, you know, hybrid models where on-prem, uh, totally in the cloud and that sort of thing is something that's very important. Yeah, definitely. It, it's kind of, you know, I've been surprised in talking to a couple penetration testers that have been friends of mine and um, just they'll ask me questions about Active Directory from the attacker's perspective. And a lot of times I'm surprised that I guess I had this understanding of, you know, most penetration testers understand Active Directory as well as I do. And that's just not necessarily the case. And so they have expertises in a lot more, you know, fields than than I do. But it's interesting to be able to look at Active Directory through that security lens and and be able to see things that I never saw before, right? So some of the funniest things just over the last year of working at Trimark has been seeing things in environments that I know for a fact that I have done, you know, in my previous job and I've misconfigured the exact same things that they've misconfigured. And, and I know exactly why I did it or, or why I didn't get to it yet. Right. Like um, upgrading NTLM V2 um, using uh, laps to have different passwords on uh, across all of your endpoints, you know, stuff like that, that, as an IT administrator, I didn't necessarily understand, but now as a security administrator, I know why uh, why those things need to be fixed. Yeah, I can imagine w what you've had the opportunity to learn there, plus getting to specialize in something more. Well, I think the kind of background you had is awesome that you're getting to touch so many things because that knowledge is good and you can kind of find areas you want to specialize in. But I'm sure now since you're specializing in security, I'm sure that you've uh, really improved your skills and learned a lot while you've been in that role. Yeah. Uh, so Sean Metcalf, our, our founder, CTO of Trimark, uh, he, he says this to, to pretty much everybody that, that has been hired there, I think, and he continues, continues to reiterate it, is that he could teach someone the security of Active Directory. You can't necessarily teach the experience of, of understanding and having the operational knowledge of actually managing environments. Uh, so that's really, I think, where that background um, really thrives is being able to understand the defender's perspective. Um, and while, while at Trimark, we don't necessarily, we're, we're not doing any attacking. We're doing security assessments of environments and we're looking at it uh, from an attacker's perspective, but we also can see it very clearly from that defender's perspective as well. And I can see where that, you know, that's super important to do, just like an active directory 
assessment opposed to just doing a pen test. Pen testing is important, but if you hire someone to come in and do a pen test, odds are they may not know the the details that in depth or thoroughly assess it, or they just don't have the time. So uh, definitely good to have a service like that perform. Exactly. And that's a lot of times we get asked about the difference between the assessment and a pen test and things like that. And, and it was funny. I was listening to one of your previous guests. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was Dave Mayer that you had on. And he was talking about the difference between a pen test and a red team. And so the uh, active directory assessments or the Azure active directory cloud assessments we do, um, I feel like they kind of sit, they can sit in front of a pen test. So if you're just a not very mature um, organization, it can kind of be done ahead of time. It can also be done, you know, at the same time as a pen test or a red team. We've had a couple very large customers who during report delivery, when we, we show all the findings that we have, uh, we've had some that have been very confused because they've gone through pen tests on a yearly basis. And none of these things that we deem high, high criticality have been exploited or they've been highlighted before. So I think it's definitely just a, a different take on security. So it's something that I, I obviously really enjoy and quite passionate about. You know, and at least the nice thing about those type of things, it's not as, you know, while you still need pen tests, you're not opening yourself up typically for like risks of any kind of outages like you might with someone running, wearing scans or some hacking tools during a pen test. That's right. All of, uh, all of my mistakes are behind closed doors when I'm running it on my local workstation instead of uh, accidentally locking out all of your end users. <laughs> Do you guys leverage any kind of tools, kind of like Bloodhound or Castle or anything like that in your assessments? Um, so we we operate on a completely proprietary um, scripts that we use. So we identify all of our own checks. Our Active Directory assessment has over 200 different checks in it. Um, our Azure Active Directory assessment doesn't quite have that many, but we also um, do quite a few different checks from uh, just configuration settings um, to, to begin with. And then we go all the way into um, some user enumeration type stuff where we look at what users have access to what. And then I think uh, two big benefits that, that we tend to do is from that operations perspective is we can tie uh, tie findings to an attack path. So much like on a pen test, you may have um, step one, do this, step two, you know, step one, I, I got in, step two, I change this step, step, however many I got domain administrator, right? So we'll kind of walk through that a little bit as well and identify, you know, these three findings combined make for an attack path. And uh, the other kind of cool thing that I like that we do is we determine a level of effort for remediation. So we'll give our customers an idea of, you know, the criticality of the finding as also, as well as how difficult it may be to remediate. So for anyone that's, that is trying to secure their active directory or using, you recommend using something, you mentioned the CIS benchmark earlier, uh, you recommending things like that and, and like NIST standards as far as securing those uh, active directory environments? Yeah. Yeah, um, pretty much anything that you can get out there that you can get your hands on is definitely going to be better than nothing. Uh, Trimark, just, we just released a GitHub, uh, or well, we've kind of had it, but we've started publishing more content on that too. So we have 
a few community scripts. One is just a, a quick Active Directory check that checks a handful of things, uh, such as accounts that could be Kerberosed and stuff like that. So we, we do attempt to give back to the community in that sort of fashion as well. Uh, one of my colleagues, Jake, who will be on the show as well, uh, wrote a tool called Locksmith, which checks for Active Directory uh, certificate templates that, uh, that are vulnerable. And so that's really gotten quite a bit of traction. That's also a, a free tool that is up on the TriMark GitHub as well. Very cool. I'm sure those are some things that would be good for pen testers to use as well, like during their pen test use those scripts. So that's another tool to add for your tool belt out there for the pen testers listening. That's right. They, uh, what, what the saying is that blue sharpens red and red sharpens blue, right? It, uh, a tool is a blue team tool until the red team gets their hands on it, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the things I think people don't appreciate or understand sometimes is some of these Windows administrative tools are awesome tools for doing pen tests. You know, some of the, some of those tools you're able to do things. A lot of some of the PowerShell scripts out there for administration that you're able to use during your pen test that sometimes people don't think about, and they're too dependent on using Kali Linux for their pen tests. Yeah, it's funny how many um, different systems that are just built into into Windows or Active Directory, you know, essentially simulate uh, attacker tools. Uh, we, I spoke, uh, so I had a um, speaking engagement last year. I spoke at two conferences, uh, Hackers Teaching Hackers and besides Kansas City. And I gave a talk about SCCM and some vulnerabilities with that. And so we've continued research and we had another guest on the, the happy hour, um, Garrett Foster and I, talked about an attack path using SCCM and we kind of joked that SCCM really acts like a C2 framework. And so we kind of, we were like, this looks a lot like COBOL strike, really. <laughs> so. and it's interesting you mentioned that too, because a lot of the living off the land uh, type of attacks and stuff people are using because some of the endpoint detection systems are getting more, more secure, hard to get tools on the system. So people are are starting to leverage living off the land. It's interesting that you mentioned the SSCM for, for using like a C2. Yep. There you go. That one's, that one's free for you. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone that's wanting to get into, you know, active directory security, what do you recommend as a learning path? Yeah, that's um, for me, something just coming from the academic uh, point of view It's I've, been able to see some of the computer science programs and cybersecurity programs that have been developed recently. And so uh, those are, I mean, a good path. I'm never going to tell someone not to go to college, but I'm also not going to tell someone that they have to, to go to college. One, one of the kind of the, the spaces that doesn't really get attention even in the academic space is Active Directory itself. So it's really difficult to get uh, understanding on it unless you do it. So my biggest recommendation on just getting started and learning Active Directory is to play with it. So there's all sorts of different resources out there. Microsoft has uh, evaluation licenses that you can get a, a server version for free. It also has, you can download a full-blown environment if you really get that fancy, if you want to stand up um, certificate services and SCCM, you want to set up a... Um, connection with Azure Active Directory, you can kind of do all of that in a, in a lab environment. And uh, I think I set up my first lab environment just on a, 
like an eight or 16 gigabyte laptop. So um, it doesn't take take a ton of uh, hardware to get anything spun up. You can really just spin up a single domain controller and uh, play with that just to kind of get get an idea for it. So that's definitely a way to start with with um, learning Active Directory if you know if you know nothing about it to begin with. Um, the the other thing I was going to say just as far as kind of breaking into security from from that perspective of uh, you know maybe you are a, a help desk employee or um, you're you're doing kind of tier two boots on the ground type type support is I think my advice for people in that role would be uh, kind of meet security where where you are right see see things that are security related in your current role because it's one of those things that especially like I talked about at the beginning is looking looking back I can see all those things but while while I was in it I didn't necessarily even know that I was doing security at the time so it kind of gets to that tagline of security is everyone's responsibility, right? Where it, it's it's in your job somewhere. Uh, it's in your job description somewhere. And uh, so go ahead and, and go out and, and find it and, and do it and learn about it and, and suggest things and just kind of put yourself out there. Yeah, because even going back, talking about the operating systems, that's such a critical area to secure. So that's, that's a good place to learn. Plus, you know, someone wants to be a penetration tester, you know, if you get a shell to a system or command line access, you don't know the command line of that operating system, you're going to have to do a lot more research to figure out what to do, and it's best to understand that. So, I mean, that's one of the things that was kind of a big plus for me when I got into pen testing. I'd had some experience with vulnerability scanning, no hacking experience. So I had to get the hacking experience, but when I was going through that process of learning, when I got a shell, I knew how to do things from the Windows command line. You know, if you got the right amount of access, you can shut down firewalls and services and, and do all sorts of stuff. Yep. Yep. It's especially, and even from the administrative point of view is um, so many times I find myself relying on the GUI, right? It's because, and you can do, especially with PowerShell. Now you can literally do everything with just a one-liner in PowerShell that you could do using a GUI. Um, and so, yeah, learning a little bit of PowerShell from a Windows perspective would be would be huge, um, and, and yeah, learning how to run the netsh commands to mess with the firewall instead of just you know right clicking and, and turning it off. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you mentioned going through the, some of the TCM stuff, so that seemed to help you learning the the attacker side of things, help you with your defensive role. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I well, I know so really it. Um, it's really interesting take to be able to kind of understand it from from both sides. And and while I'm definitely still learning a little bit of the the attacking role, it's it's really uh, it's been a blessing working for Trimark and being able to have the time to do some some research and to kind of further further the community. So. Just, I mean, one of the things I've been working on recently is, and I've got the document I've been writing up here is uh, around reversible encryption. So that's something that attackers and defenders both can can somewhat uh, relate to because they have at least a little bit of knowledge to it. But being able to um, know it from a defender side and, and know that, hey, it's bad, you're not supposed to do it. Um, but then ask, ask yourself the question, well, what do, what do attackers do to exploit this? And being able to 
um, understand, oh, all it takes is, is this, and then they can do that, um, helps you to be able to, um, to defend the system and, and to be able to explain it to any um, coworkers or um, potentially write, write a paper or write a, um, write a talk about it. So, and that kind of goes into, I guess, another, um, you know, you're looking for advice for people kind of getting started is, um, so don't be afraid to, to give talks. And I think one of the first talks that I ever really gave was just an internal only talk to some of the coworkers. And I think there were a handful of students that, that showed up just, it was for cybersecurity awareness month, um, a couple of years ago in October. And from then is kind of where I realized that I enjoy and I enjoy the, the writing and I enjoy the, the speaking space for people who uh, are there to learn. So it's, it's one of my passions and it's really an, uh, I would encourage anybody to really kind of submit for call for papers to a local B sides. Um, they're actually a blast and it's a really, really cool to be in the community as well, because really so many people are offering to, to help you. There's so many people who are really willing to reach a handout, um, you know, especially Philip included. Yeah. It's kind of amazing when you're connected to the community, the things that you can find out. Otherwise, if you're just in the industry, because it still baffles me because I'm so used to the community. You know, a while back, I was at Husek Con last year and I was talking to someone and I was, the company I work for had some some pretty high uh, opinions or, or, you know, from, from Jake Williams, Malware Jake. And I was explaining to someone about the product that, yeah, Jake likes the, the remediation planner. That's why he thought it was one of the better external tax service management uh, products out there. And when I said, you know, Jake Williams and Malware Jake, they didn't know who it was. And I'm just like, how can you not know? But then sometimes when you're in the community, you just take for granted that not everyone knows that. I mean, you go buy your books and you take your courses and all this or take some SANS training. Doesn't necessarily know you're going to, you know, meet everyone in the community, but just all the awesome people that you can meet and, and learn from. Exactly. And really, um, like, I mean, Dave Kennedy is one of the, people who I remember having a conversation with, with, uh, you know, an old coworker, uh, we had him on our podcast, uh, a couple months ago and I was like, I can't believe Dave Kennedy is going to be on the podcast. Same with, <laughs> I was like, I can't believe Philip Wiley is going to be on the podcast. I can't believe John Hammond's going to be on the podcast. And my wife's yeah. like, I have no idea who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, my wife, my wife's the same way. She, she laughs about that. Or if I go to some conference and someone knows me, she said, y'all are nerd famous. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Or Twitter famous. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's cool. And the cool part about that too, is, you know, as, as Twitter famous as some of these people might, might be they're they're just human beings. And so I, I remember when I first, I mean, I, I had a Twitter account, but really I started getting active in the InfoSec community and I, and I know Twitter's I mean, quote unquote going away right now or whatever's happening, but um, so many people, um, on there, you know, I would respond to something that, that they wrote, or I would send them a direct message. And, um, you know, I, um, uh, Leslie hacks for pancakes was somebody mm -hmm. who would actively respond to me. And I'm like, Oh, this is, you know, given so many keynotes and all this stuff, and she's willing to write directly to me. And, um, uh, George, um, I can't, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, uh, or, or Chillis. 
Is that right? Yeah, Orchius. Or, or Orchius. He yeah. uh, he actually took the time and set up a a quick call with me to give me advice on on a on a talk that I was going to give, and that was just completely. I mean, he didn't have to do that, and but it was all on his time, and so reach out. People are super willing to help, and it's and it's really a great community to be a part of. That is so true. Whenever you re when someone reaches out, make sure that you're putting more than hi or whatever. I get a lot of those messages sometimes. Kind of put some context in there. Introduce yourself. You know, if you're a fan of their their work or whatever, you're familiar with their work, let them know, and then ask them if you can help you with something. Because a lot of times, I hear a lot of those folks complaining. So yeah, if you're going to reach out to me, you know, have some context, something in in the message when you're you're sending the message. But yeah, most of those people are super cool and, and willing to help. And a lot of those people want, want to help. And that's the reason a lot of them do all the conferences and stuff is to give back to the community. Yep. Absolutely. And that's what I, you know, that's what I'm trying to do too is, you know, I still feel like a noob, but I'm trying to give back when and where I can. And, um, and that's just kind of, that's kind of the hacker way. Right. Yep. That's good. And you've got a lot of good information to share with people. So that's good to, Good to see. Always love to see people sharing in the community because in a lot of cases, in some cases, some people can't afford the expensive SANS courses or maybe the offensive security courses. Maybe they're limited to stuff like TCM or Udemy or whatever, but it's whenever you got people in the community and you can find people that are subject matter experts, that goes a long way because being able to find out good resources, because when you're doing this on your own, there's so much content out there. You don't really know what's good just because it's on Udemy or YouTube doesn't mean that it's accurate or the person that's delivering that knows what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. There is a lot of, a lot of information, you know, good information and misinformation. Yeah. They look, look the same on the surface. And I think most people have good intentions, but sometimes they don't know it well enough and maybe they get something wrong, but, but yeah, lots, lots of good information. It's amazing how much it's increased because just kind of, watching things from back when I first got into pen testing in 2012, seeing the resources that exist out there now that don't exist back then you had like security tube that was free, but there wasn't a lot of good free content out there. Now there's a lot of good offensive, offensive security content out there, more blue team content starting to come out. Yeah. I had, um, I, I didn't, I just learned that Google has their own cybersecurity training. Like I, I had to, I Googled it on Google. Like, I, so there's so much stuff that's out there that, and I'm finding things, you know, all the time, new things that I had no idea, uh, you know, so-and-so has got free content out on, on YouTube or um, free content written on, a, you know, a whole bunch of blogs that are out there and published on, you know, a daily basis. Yeah. Well, we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share before we end this episode? Uh, no, I mean, that was great. So, uh, Philip, thank you so much. And if you're listening, thank you so much for uh, taking the 30 minutes of your day. If if you're interested in reaching out to me, you can find me pretty much everywhere. Uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, I dabble on Mastodon, but everything is Tech Brandon. So you can find me there. And for anyone interested in connecting with Brandon, we'll have all his social media information in the show notes. So it'd be easy for you to find him. So thanks again, Brandon. It was a pleasure and honor to have you on the show. 
Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Philip Wiley Show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.